So um, today I'm excited because we've been in a series called Crazy Faith. Has anybody been blessed by this series? Oh, come on. Have you been blessed by this series? If you're watching online and you've been blessed, make some noise. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So I told y'all we crazy till Christmas, right? Okay, cool. And we told you last week that, that faith without works is what? And so we got to figure out how faith works. Faith works by love. And love works by us giving. And we told you on December 15th, we're going to be giving this crazy faith offering. And I'm so excited because there are people that have already started saying like, yup, I'm not buying that. I'm going to give this to God. People that have canceled vacations. People who have gotten with their husbands and wives and said, this is what I believe we're going to do in faith. Everybody say in faith. Say it like you mean it. In faith. Those watching online, everything. I don't want anybody to leave without that card that says, I'm, I'm believing God in crazy faith for. And I want you to fill that out. I want you to put that on your car. Put that, put that on your refrigerator. Put that somewhere so we can be in faith. Because I believe God's about to do some crazy things for us. Amen. And we're going to bring that in faith on the 15th. But I decided, I was like, you know what? Anytime I read about faith in the Bible, it was never just one person's faith. Faith had friends. And like when I was believing God for like, like this building, there were certain people that I called. Now let me give a caveat. I didn't call everybody. Because everybody in your life don't have faith for where God's taking you. Oh, I, could, I know I can get a better amen than that. Everybody doesn't have faith. You know when you try to tell somebody your idea and they automatically tell why it can't happen? Get away from me. But there's some people you can call that when you talk about the big thing, they say, is that it? And I'm just encouraging, you need at least two, is that it, friends? That when you say, yo, this is crazy, but I think God told me that the Spirit Bank Event Center is supposed to be our church. And they walk through and they're like, yeah. But there's more. I have a friend like that who's going to bring the word today. And uh, many of you may have never heard of him, but I promise he's one of the pro most prolific and sought after preachers in, in the world right now. He has every degree in the world. Like, you know when I be talking about the, the people who have more degrees than a thermometer? <laughs> That's him. <laughs> Harvard and Princeton and man, great. But more than that, he has a heart of gold. And today, I told him that this was his church and that these were his people. And, and that he has a word straight from God that he's going to bless us with. When, when I was walking through this building before we got it, I brought him over here because he was speaking at a conference in the city. And we stayed up till 4 a.m. And, and, and we stayed up and we walked through this building when it wasn't ours. And he dreamed with me sitting right there and dreamed with me sitting back over here and walked down the stairs with me and, and, and told me that God can do this. And he said, Mike, this is going to be a place where people come to get a faith impartation and they're going to leave and go back. And this is before anything had happened because faith has to have friends. He encouraged me in a way sitting in my car at 4 a.m. telling me that God had to do this because the body of Christ and the world needed to see modern day miracle so he's already a friend of mine he is a friend of this house and he has a word from God you already standing on your feet will you give the loudest ovation that you have for our friend Pastor Darius Daniel oh y'all can do better than 
Daniels Transformation Church. Listen, one of my favorite scriptures is in a Hebrew hymn book called Psalms. And the writer says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let me give you the Daniels version of that. We should be able to tell how great your God is by how great your praise is. If he's an okay God, give him an okay praise. If he's a good God, give him a good praise. But if he's an incredible God, give him incredible praise. So Father, today I thank you Thank you for the privilege of laying our eyes on this. Thank you for an expression of your goodness, your greatness, and your genius. Thank you for transformation. Thank you that it's more than a name. It's an assignment. It's a mandate. It's a description of what you're doing. Thank you that this thing that is rooted in Tulsa has sprouted all over the world. that you've given as a gift to it. So we pray blessings on this house, these people, these incredible leaders, and blessings on this service. Anoint me for this assignment. I thank you for the gift of your scriptures. They're the blueprint to our best life. And I thank you for the promise of your presence. The Holy Spirit that gives us help beyond our own. So I pray today for truth and fire. And I ask this in the incredible name of the one who saved our life. That name is Jesus. If you love him, say amen. If you got any praise left to a great God, give it to him right now. Before you take your seats, tell somebody, this is crazy. Well, my name is Darius Daniels. I'm excited to be here with you today. Honor to witness what God is doing here. I've had the, the privilege of being in a lot of places and spaces. I've never seen anything like this. And um, I'm not referring to the, the size of the auditorium or the amount of people that are present. I'm talking about the thing that I sense. A room full of faith. A room that is an expression of the kingdom. And the kingdom is not this or that. It's this and that. 
I see Mama them, Grandmama them. I see Sheila and Shanae all in the same church. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And uh, I was doing some reflecting this morning. And uh, Mike, you might get a trip out of this. In my phone, there was a name, and I had misspelled it. It was the first time I met Pastor. It was years ago at a conference in Dallas. He wasn't even pastoring then. And uh, I didn't know how gifted and creative he was. I just knew his personality was infectious. And his heart was gold. And I had put his name in the <laughs> put his name in the phone wrong, wrong because we had a brief brief exchange with each other and one of the things that that I saw then is one of the things that I feel like God has used in a major way to create such an amazing space like this to me he's kind of like a David in the Bible David who was creative wasn't he? incredibly creative he was a musician a, a great leader but the thing that God chose above everything else to use to promote him was his heart I found a man after my own heart I think that's the greatest and the highest compliment I've ever seen God give anybody in scripture and it is definitely my sentiments toward your incredible pastor, my brother my friend, you've got this is an expression of God's love for you that he wedded you two together God must love you that he gave you him and he must love him that he gave him to you. So I want you to make some major noise for your incredible pastor, my brother. Pastors Mike and Natalie. Love you. All right, y'all ready to go to work? You talk back to the preacher here or no? Daniel chapter number 3, verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. I want to read a couple of verses there. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. So click there or we got some clickers in this room, some turners in the room. I hear pages turning. I'm like, wow. Bible, paper Bibles in the room. So the scripture's on the screen. Listen to this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. The clause of concern is found in verse 17. I want to read it one more time. If we are thrown into the blazing, blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I want to talk uh, from this t- 
topic in our time together today. This is part whatever of crazy faith. I want to talk from this subject, blazy faith. Blazy faith. As we ease into this introduction, I want to inform some and remind others that your presence on this planet has purpose. You are not the consequence of some cosmic coincidence. You are not the result of some relational accident. Your parents may have been surprised by your arrival, but God was not. You have been strategically and intentionally placed on this planet for such a time as this. The God who made and molded you intentionally intended on you being born when you were born, where you were born, how you were born, and with what you were born with. You are not operating with any kind of deficit because latent on the inside of you is absolutely everything you need to be exactly who God called you to be and to do exactly what God called you to do. And the reason I can communicate this with confidence is because I eavesdropped on a conversation between God and a gentleman named Jeremiah. And God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, before I form you, in the womb. Notice what he says now, before I form you, your parents made you, but I formed you. Meaning you've been built by design. You've been crafted for your calling. You've been wired for your work. I made you with purpose in mind. So if I called you to it, I equipped you for it. I knew I was putting in you before you discovered it was there. And just because people can't see it don't mean it's not present. This is before, before I formed you, I knew you. I knew all about you. I knew you before you knew yourself. I knew you would be moody on Mondays. I knew it. I knew you would be cranky without coffee. I knew it. I knew your mistakes before you made them. And I knew your missteps before you took them. Yet I still picked you. So whenever you begin to communicate to the one who called you how unqualified you are, his response to you is, you think I didn't know that? I knew that before you did that. But I don't choose you because of, I choose you in spite of. Therefore, when anybody has an attitude about what I'm doing in your life, tell them, don't talk to me because I didn't pick myself. Talk to my supervisor. The one who called me is faithful. He laid his hands on me. He anointed me. You surprised I'm here? I'm surprised I'm here too. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, your presence on the planet has purpose. And purpose is always the answer to a problem. The 
creation of the light bulb solves the darkness problem. The creation of vehicles solves transportation problems. The, the, the creation of medicine solves sickness problems. And your creation, your purpose is the answer to a problem. And the reason the enemy doesn't want you and me to discover it, submit to it, and walk in it is because he knows when purpose is unfulfilled, we leave the next generation with some Goliaths we were supposed to slay. got purpose I said you've got purpose but I want to pause for this cause because it would be irresponsible for me to tell you that and not on the flip side tell you this it would be ministry malpractice for me to tell you that and then not tell you this do you want to know I ain't feeling that side over there. I said, do you want to know? Here it is. Here it is. Purpose is God's preference for us. It's what he prefers to do. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's willing to do. It's what he's willing to part Red Seas to make happen. He'll knock down Jericho walls to make it happen. He will make ravens feed a prophet to make it happen. Now people feed birds. Birds don't feed people. But when God's determined to do something in your life, he'll make something act inconsistent with his nature to get it to you. It's his preference. But in order for God's preference to become our experience, it requires our participation. I'm going to say it again. In order for God's preference to become our experience, it requires our participation. It's not enough for God to want it for me. I have to want it for myself. Come on. Isn't this one of the questions that Jesus even asked one man before he healed him? He asked him, do you want to be made well? And I believe I'm in a space today, not just with some holy people and some happy people. I believe I'm in some space with some hungry people. Some people came to transformation not to play church, but you came because I'm hungry, because I feel something on the inside of me. I got a spiritual insatiable appetite. I'm allergic to average. I start breaking out when people around me don't want the next level. I'm hungry for everything God wants to do. It. Let me hear the hungry people make some noise. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. That's why I take a lick and it keep on ticking. Because I'm hungry. That's why when I wanted to give up, I can't give up. I'm hungry. Is there anybody here that's made up their mind that I will not back up, let up, give up, or give in until I step into everything that God has for my life? And could this be one of the things the psalmist meant when he said God gives us the desires of our heart? Could, could one way of looking at that mean he gives my heart 
desires. So that some of the things he wants, he makes me want it. <laughs> because he knows it's not enough for him to want it for me. I got to want it for myself. So the more he puts his hands on my heart, my heart starts wanting for me what he wants for me. So maybe Hannah, you want a baby not because you need some company. Maybe God wants a prophet. If I told you some stuff you want is what God needs in the earth. And that's why you can't shake it. That's why you try to give up on it and God won't let you because he says this isn't just something you want. This is something I need and I'm going to agitate your heart until you step into the fullness of what I put in you. Purpose requires our participation. And there's a word that describes what that participation looks like. You've been talking about it for several months. That word is faith. What if I told you, this is for my note takers, what if I told you, this is a harsh reality, but it's biblical. What if I told you, God will let you live on whatever level you settle for. That's Bible. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth and he's in the synagogue. He opens the scroll, the scripture. He begins to teach and people are listening to him teach and and while he's teaching, some people say, yeah, I knew him. He grew up here in Nazareth. Isn't this the carpenter's son? And the Bible says Jesus could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Faith is the bridge that you must cross to get from where you are to where you could be. Faith is the bridge we must, the road we must take to get from a life, a life that's purposeless to a life that's purposeful. Faith is the transportation system that gets us from the wilderness to Canaan land. Faith. But this kind of faith I'm talking about isn't just any kind of faith. See, any kind of faith won't get you there. Hasty faith won't get you there. Lazy faith won't get you there. Fugazi faith won't get you there. Yeah, if you're going to get there, you need some crazy faith. You need some wavy faith. And you need some blazy faith. Somebody say blazy faith. Come on, say it again. Say blazy faith. Yeah. See, see, what, what, what is blazy faith? I, I can show you more than I can tell you. I can show you more than I can tell you. In Daniel chapter number three, we see this interesting example of blazy faith. 
here contextually, this, this, is, this is really interesting, what happens at the first part of Daniel. It's, it's God's people have gone through a season of significant loss. They've been conquered by a country called Babylon. And this is what's weird about Babylon. When Babylon conquers a country, their practice was to strip the country they conquered of their culture. It's a powerful picture of the enemy who Jesus describes as one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those aren't three different ways of saying the same thing. Those are three different things that the enemy does. He steals, kills, and destroys. We, we got to get this because if we, Paul says, if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, he gets an advantage over us. He doesn't just want to destroy and kill, he wants to steal. And sometimes we survive seasons and we're celebrating our survival. God brought me through. God brought me out. God brought me over. And sometimes the enemy is observing our activity and saying, I didn't send that to kill you. 